Well, before we get started, I wanted to do a huge welcome to all of our grade sixes that are now grade seven and are joining us for the first time here. Welcome. Welcome. Well, I'm curious, uh, anyone here at West, Southwest, Far to Lose campus or online, uh, a fan of personality tests? Anyone? Yeah, I mean, there seem to be a bajillion out there, right? Like you got the Strengths Finder and the Myers Briggs and the 16 personality types, and then you got the Enneagram and the Berkman and the Colby and the Apist and the Vark and the Via, and then there's uh, the Love languages, right? That's, and then the money, personalities, and then there's something called the love styles. Like, it just goes on and on and on. As I was doing some research for this and just looking into um, a brief history on personality assessments, did you know uh, that they actually go as far back as 460 BC in ancient Greece? Hippocrates had this theory that based on the balance and imbalance of your bodily fluids, weird, uh, you can determine y- your personality type, okay, and it gets even weirder, it's yellow bile, black bile, phlegm, and blood, like how did he even test this theory, right, sounds morbid to me, uh, and then centuries later, Freud suggested that our personality is driven by our innate desires and needs, and, and then Carl Jung built upon that and, and proposed that there are four human personality preferences or styles. And he said there it's intuition, sensing, thinking, and feeling. And then throughout the 20th and 21st century, uh, there's been so much research. And it seems like assessment after assessment that's come out. Why? Uh, to try to explain the complexity of me and you, <laughs> right? Like we are complex beings and they're just trying to figure out, okay, how do we get, to, how do we come to terms with who we are and what it means to be human and what it means to relate with one another and, and, and do things and go about life. Like that, that's kind of what personality assessments are trying to help us figure out. So based on ones that you may have taken, let me just ask you a couple questions. Uh, number one, based on the ones you've taken, uh, what do those assessments tell you about the posture you take to life? Right, like po- what posture do you have toward life? What posture do you have as you relate with other people? Uh, Or to make it a little bit more specific, if you, um, are you the type of person who, when you're in a big group of people, you like being the center of attention? Uh, Do you like taking the lead? Do you like being behind the scenes and supporting, right? Do you do your best work with other people? Or maybe your best work is done alone, And uh, when you're with others, are you more of a helper? Uh, Or or maybe you're an includer or an entertainer. Well, um, we're in week two of our series on Psalm 23. And last week we learned that when Jesus is my shepherd, I have what I need. We learned last week that sheep know that the source of everything that they have, everything that they need is ultimately they're shepherds. So yes, sheep need food and drink and, and, and they need safety and, and they need security and others and assurance they'll never be alone. Yeah, they need all of those things, but really the sheep's focus isn't those things that they need. Their focus is their shepherd because when their shepherd is their focus, they know they're going to 
get everything that they need. And if they get lost, they know that the shepherd, their shepherd, is going to stop at nothing to find them. That's why last week I shared that we really need to resurrect the imagery and the symbolism of the good shepherd as being central to our faith and our discipleship with Jesus. To see Jesus as the good shepherd who will provide us as sheep with all that we need will help us recognize that even if we get lost, uh, we will be found because Jesus himself said, I have come to seek and to save the lost. So being a disciple of Jesus means that we recognize, right, that we are sheep and Jesus is our shepherd. Jesus had, he, he said this himself in John chapter 10, I am the good shepherd, right? He said that, like this is who I am, like, like this is what he's saying. I'm the good shepherd and the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. So we said last week that discipleship is a long obedience in the same direction, up the mountains and down the valleys and through the hills and the countrysides and the plains and the deserts and the, and, and, and the plains of it all, right? I mean, that's what discipleship is. And don't you think we would need a guide to be able to run the race of faith with perseverance? And what better guide is there than Jesus, our shepherd, who promises to guide us, not just in general, but specifically to the springs of the waters of life. And he said, as our guide, he will wipe away every tear from our eyes. Okay, so if Jesus is the shepherd and we're sheep, does that mean we're all the same? Like, does that mean when Jesus looks at us, he's like, well, y'all are sheep. I can't really tell the difference. I mean, some of you have, you know, black hair, others of you have white hair. And this, I mean, is that how Jesus views us, that we're all the same? No. And just take a look at your fingerprint, right? I mean, it's kind of hard to see, right? But when you look at your fingerprint, there's no one on earth that has ever had that same fingerprint as you. And no one who ever will. So if God, our infinitely creative God, went to the extent of crafting our individual fingerprints to be so unique. I mean, he could have just been like, okay, here's like fingerprints for people who were born in Canada. And here are the fingerprints for the people who were born in, you know, I mean, he could have just done it generally. No one would have known the difference. Because when do you ever look at your fingerprints? No, if he went to the extent of crafting our fingerprints to be so unique, wouldn't you think that God would also do the same for our personalities? Like that we would actually be that unique as well? So going back to that question I asked you a few minutes ago, you know, what posture do you take toward life? You know, are you like this kind of person or, or that kind of person? When you think back to that question, I mean, of course, we would all have different postures toward life, right? Like we'd all approach life in a different way. So because, I mean, the reason we do this is because we are, we're, we're not the same, right? We're not, we are fearfully and wonderfully made, uniquely, creatively made, so unique, right? We are we are, we are different in that way. But you know what? When you look at it from another angle, we are, we are different, but we're also the same because we're sheep to our shepherd. We're different sheep, but we're still sheep. And you know, the more we recognize that we are sheep and Jesus is our shepherd, the more that settles in deep into our soul and, and crafts and shapes the way that we view life the more we're gonna be able to experience and understand 
the blessing and joy that is contained within Psalm 23. So let's do that. Let's uh, read, let's go to the next verse in Psalm 23, verse 2. We'll recap verse 1, but uh, let's read the text for today and see what God has to say. Verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures, he leads me beside quiet waters. So in today's message, uh, as we dig into verse 2, we are going to discover three ways that Jesus shepherds us. He shepherds us by respecting our decisions, by providing for us, and by leading us with his voice. So let's start with our first point, which is that he respects our decisions. Over the course of my life, I've had four different dogs, and for each and every one of them, we've managed to teach him how to sit and lie down. Okay, so I wanted to show you a video of my dog, Luna, and how we've been able to teach her to sit and lie down. Okay, so this one, there's no treat in my hand. I've, just, I've asked her to sit, she's doing it. She's, she's trying to lie down, she'd rather get a belly rub. Yeah. <laughs> All right, she's just really excited. She wants to lick my hand, and then I finally got her to lie down. You know, I've, I've, I asked her to do it, I didn't touch her. Right, and I asked her to lie down, and I'm like, hey, good job. Okay, so that's the first one. We taught her how to sit and lie down. The next one I want to show you, uh, this is with a treat in hand. Okay, so this is sit. with a bully stick. Look, she like tried to bat sit. it out of my hand. Hey, no. And I'm trying no. to get her to sit, but no, she sit. wants go, to go straight to the lie down, down and the play dead. Down. She eventually play gets it, right? Stay. Okay, there we go. And just look at her. I love this. She's like, can I have it now? Okay, have it now. Please. Now? Oh, okay. How about now? <laughs> Don't you love that? Oh, man. <laughs> now, as much as you can train dogs to do that, right, you can train dogs to sit and lie down. Um, it's interesting. You can't actually get sheep to do the same thing. Do you know that? Like, you can't train a sheep to sit and lie down like you can a dog. The only way that sheep will lie down is if they've met these three conditions. Number one, their stomachs are full. Number two, their thirst is quenched. And number three, there are no predators around or insects bothering them. Right? That's the only way that sheep will actually lie down. They won't lie down on command like dogs. Yet, in many different English translations, and perhaps you know this verse in this way, verse two goes like this. He makes me lie down. He makes? Good shepherds don't make their sheep lie down. Good shepherds don't force their sheep to lie down either. That's not how it works. Kenneth Bailey, a Middle Eastern New Testament studies expert, says this. The shepherd knows that the sheep need grass, water, and tranquility, right, those three things, in order to lie down and digest their newly filled stomachs. So this is what the good shepherd knows. When the good shepherd provides all that a sheep needs, that is when and how the sheep will lie down. That's why I like how it's translated in the CSB. He lets me lie down. He lets me lie down. This, it's, it's my decision. Lying down is my decision. So in the same way, Jesus, our good shepherd, he won't force us or make us do anything. He's given us free will. And Jesus, our good shepherd, respects 
our decisions. Now, with every decision we make, this is why I like Proverbs, uh, there's consequences, right? And, and one of the things that Proverbs shows us is the way of the wise and the way of the wicked. And what happens when we follow the way of the wise versus the way of the wicked and the consequences that will then ensue. So, yes, we have free will and when we make decisions, the, the fact of the matter is we're going to have to all deal with the consequences of our decisions. Now, as we sang, God does and will bring beauty from the ashes when we are repentant and we surrender our decisions and surrender our past, our present, our future to him. Yeah, that is like he will bring beauty out of that. But we, you know, we will have to deal with the consequences of our decisions. Yet even in that way, right, God will still allow us to make those decisions. Even in that setting, Jesus as our good shepherd will, will still strive and desire to protect and guide us with his rod and his staff. He'll do that. But we're still the ones that need to make our decisions because he won't make us, Jesus won't, as a good shepherd, won't force us to do anything. And that's how Jesus shepherds us. He shepherds us by respecting our decisions. Okay, so if that's our first point, um, we, if we as sheep decide to then follow Jesus, the good shepherd, yes, he's going to respect our decisions, but we'll also discover that when we follow Jesus as our shepherd, he will provide us with all that we need, which is our next point. He provides for us. So last week we learned this, right? In verse one, the Lord is my shepherd, I have what I need. So last week in a general sense we learned that when Jesus is our shepherd, he'll provide us with all that we need. But today in verse two, we'll learn in a more specific sense what that looks like. Verse 2, he lets me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside quiet water. So Jesus in this verse shows us that he will provide for us as our good shepherd through green pastures and quiet water. So let's start by talking about the green pastures. Okay? Uh, when you think about green pastures, locally speaking, right, in the context of when this was written, green pastures were only available for about three months out of the year. So for the nine months, it was brown. Yet we read in this verse that Jesus and, and good shepherds will lead us to green pastures. So, so sheep don't just eat three months out of the year and go into hibernation. Like they need to eat year round. So if nine months out of the year it's brown and it's not green, what did shepherds do? Well, they just led them further and further away from home. Right, they led them further and further away from their village, from where home was, from where the green pastures were. And depending on the season of the year, they'd sometimes go higher up into the mountains, right? Or they would go deeper down into the valleys. But what the shepherd knew, right, shepherds weren't going to neglect their sheep and say, hey, food is scarce, you only get to eat every other day now, right? We got to ration this, I guess. No, no, shepherds. They provide for their sheep, so they're just going to go further and further away. Now, the sheep don't know that the further and further away they go from their village, the more dangerous it is. The shepherd knows that, and with his rod and his staff, will still provide for their sheep, protecting them farther and farther away from home. He'll, they'll do that, but they will provide for their sheep's needs. So how much truer is this of Jesus? Right? Who as the chief good shepherd with Jesus, he will, he like, I mean, we know he will always provide for us, right? If we follow Jesus like sheep follow their shepherd, we know that he will always 
provide for us and lead us to green pastures. We'll always have green pastures to graze when we're with them. How do we know this? Well, you might have personal lived experience of that. You might have heard stories from friends or others of how God has provided for them. And and that is encouraging. But when you look at Ezekiel 34, God himself said that he would do this. Take a look at this. He says, God says, I will shepherd them, us, the people of God, on the mountains of Israel. In the ravines and in all the inhabited places of the land, I will tend them, not I might or I'll occasionally. No, it's I will tend them in good pasture. And their grazing place will be on Israel's lofty mountains. There they will lie down in a good grazing place. Why are they lying down? Because they've had all their needs met. They will feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I will tend my flock and let them lie down. This is the declaration of the Lord God. So Jesus will not only provide for us by leading us to green pastures, but he'll also provide for us by leading us beside quiet waters. He leads me beside quiet waters. Quiet waters. Have you ever heard of that phrase before? That a water is quiet? Sounds a little bit odd, doesn't it? Quiet waters. Well, what David is writing about here is that sheep won't drink from moving water. Now, it's not that sheep are all stuck up and they're like, I'm only going to drink bubbly today or I'm only going to drink, or buble, right, what is it? Or, or Evian. Or, no, sheep aren't picky in that way. They, they're, they're literally scared of water that moves. So they won't drink from it. I love this one story of this shepherd, uh, M.P. Krikorian. He, uh, he had a flock of more than 100 sheep. And in 1939, he wrote about his experience herding this sheep in southeast Turkey. Okay, so uh, take a look at what he writes. Within sound and sight of water, the sheep would all begin to run toward it. I love that. Uh, Showing that they were very thirsty. Yet at their arrival, as I watched them, only a few would be drinking, while others, all along the edge of the water, like the pedestrians on a fashionable street in a great metropolis. Remember, this was written in 1939. Okay, so I'm thinking people in top hats, you know, pedestrian Model T Fords going around, like pedestrians on a fashionable street in a great metropolis. These sheep, just like those, were like just passing each other up and down the stream. And that day I learned this valuable lesson about sheep, that they don't drink from rippling waters. They continue until every last one of them has found a quiet little pool between stones showing up above the ripples. No turbid streams or riffled rivulets will tempt them. They want waters that move quietly. So because the shepherd knows that sheep won't, their sheep won't drink from moving water, they, they, they will bring, and you know, because they know that their sheep need water, they're going to bring their sheep to water. Right? They hear water, they smell water, they go to water, and then when they finally find um, water, if some of the sheep can't find quiet water, the, sh- the shepherd's not like, well, come on. Like, seriously, if you're really thirsty, like, wouldn't you find a way to get some of that water? Like, why are you being so stuck up? Seriously, just, just get in the water. It's not going to move you. Like, do you can, you, can you imagine a shepherd yelling at its sheep in this way? No, I mean... Because they know their sheep, no matter what they try to do, no matter how much they might yell or whatnot, their sheep won't drink from moving water. 
And neither would the shepherd go like, well, I found you water. I need to take my 15-minute break, so I'm going to go play some Pokemon right here. And like, you just tell me when you're done, and yeah, just then, then we'll go, and I'll go on with my... Right? Shepherds don't do that. Shepherds actually will look at every single one of their sheep and make sure that they all have found quiet water and have had their thirst quenched. And if any one of their sheep aren't lying down, they'll try to figure out how, why, and meet their need. So if that's what good shepherds do, how much truer is this of Jesus, who is the chief good shepherd? Right? With Jesus, we know that he will always provide for us if we follow him. And we know that with Jesus, not only will we have green pastures, but we'll always have quiet waters to drink from when we're with him. In other words, we're always going to have our thirst Quench, but that's not just temporarily to quench our thirst. Jesus, our good shepherd, promises to quench our thirst for life. Take a look at what he says in Revelation 7. For the lamb who is at the center of the throne. I mean, this is him. Jesus is saying, for, for the lamb, that's Jesus, who is at the center of the throne, Jesus will shepherd us. Jesus will guide us to the springs of the waters of life. God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. That's what the good shepherd promised to do for us. And when he brings us to those waters, in John 4 we read that we'll never, have to, we'll never be thirsty again. Because Jesus said, whoever drinks from the water that I give him will never get thirsty again. In fact, the water I will give him will become a well of water springing up in him for eternal life. Friends, this is because Jesus, the good shepherd, provides for us. He provides for us in ways that are immediate and in ways that are eternal. He provides for us in ways that are seen and in ways that are unseen. And with our food and and safety, with freedom and responsibility, with green pastures and beside quiet waters, Jesus, our shepherd, will provide for us. So yes, uh, Jesus shepherds us by respecting our decisions and by providing for us, but he also shepherds us, our third point, by leading us with his voice. Let's take a look at our passage for today again. The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside quiet waters. He he leads me. Jesus, as the good shepherd, leads us. And by leading us, it means he's ahead of us. Jesus isn't a, like Pharaoh who whips us from behind. He's not like Egyptian shepherds who um, there's record where, in open, where there aren't open pastures. Egyptian shepherds will actually whip uh, and, and hit their sheep with a stick to get them to move. That's not the type of shepherd that Jesus is. Jesus is the good shepherd who will go out on ahead of us and lead us with his voice. Consider how Kenneth Bailey puts it. He writes, in the open wilderness of the Holy Land, the shepherd walks slowly ahead of his sheep and either plays his own 10-second tune on a pipe or more often sings his own unique call. The sheep appear to be Attracted primarily by the voice of the shepherd, which they know and are eager to follow. If you were here last week, do you remember the call 
that call, hoo hoo ta ta ta, right? And that's not to say that that's the call that all shepherds make, uh, but every shepherd has a call that their sheep know, hear, and recognize and will then follow. That's why Jesus says what he says in John chapter 10, verse 1. Truly I tell you, anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in some other way is a thief and robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens it for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he has brought all his own outside, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't know the voice of strangers. Friends, this is how Jesus respectfully leads us. He leads us with his voice. He knows us. He sees us. And he calls each and every one of us by our name. And he leads us by going out on ahead of us. And as sheep, we follow, not because we're forced to, because we know, but because we hear his voice and we know that when we are with our shepherd, he will provide for us all that we need. That's why Jesus says in verse 27, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. So let me ask you a question. Do you know how to hear the voice of Jesus? Do you know how to hear the voice of Jesus? Like, can you discern the good shepherd's voice? Now, I'm not asking whether or not you've ever heard an audible voice from God. It's not what I'm asking you. I'm asking if you know how to discern the non-audible voice and leading of Jesus. Now, in asking that question, I'm not saying that Jesus doesn't still speak audibly like he did in the Bible. But in my experience, the more normative way that he speaks today is in a non-audible way through his word and his spirit. Through the word of God and the spirit of God. Friends, the word and the spirit go hand in hand. It's kind of like a coin. You know, there's two sides to a coin or like a double-edged sword. The word of God and the spirit of God are like that. You know, I, I love this. I love this quote. Without the spirit of God, Christians will dry up. And without the word of God, uh, we'll blow up. Right, without the Spirit of God, we're going to dry up, and without the Word of God, we're going to blow up. So the Word and the Spirit go hand in hand. So friends, we need to know the, what the Word of God says, right? We need to be in the Word. We need to be people of the Word to know how to know and to be able to discern the Spirit of God's leading. And in the same way, when we hear the Spirit of God... We need to always test that against the Word of God. The Word of God keeps us on track, while the Spirit of God helps us apply the Word of God. The Word and the Spirit will never contradict. Like, if you ever sense the leading of the Holy Spirit and the leading of God, and what He is leading you to is contrary to what the Bible says, you know that's not from God. Because the Spirit will never contradict the Word. That's why we read in 2 Timothy that all scriptures God breathe, right? That's the word and the spirit and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. In other words, 
the word of God and the spirit of God equip servants of God for the work of God. That's how it works. Let me say that again. The word of God and the spirit of God equip servants of God, that's you and I, for the work of God. So how are we equipped to live out our identity as followers of Christ? How are we equipped to accomplish and to be a part of this vision of awakening greater Edmonton to King Jesus? Well, it's this way, through the word and through the spirit. Because the word of God and the spirit of God equip servants of God for the work of God. Now, practically speaking, I recognize that some of you might be sitting here or at Faro de Luz, at, um, at our Southwest campus or online, and you might be like, okay, Daniel, I, like, okay, I get what you're saying, but I've never actually heard an audible or non-audible voice of God. Like I, I, like, I have friends who sometimes say, or I've heard people say, yeah, but God led me to do this, or I heard God say this, and, and I, I have friends who've said that, like, I've heard it before, but honestly, I don't know what to do with that. Like, I, I want to, I, I want to hear from God. I believe he still speaks today, but I, I don't, I don't know, I don't know how. And if that's you, and you're like, I don't think I've ever sensed an inaudible voice of Jesus and his leading. Let me just ask you two questions, okay? Number one, um, have you ever asked Jesus to directly speak to you? Okay? Because sometimes uh, we just don't ask. Like, we don't sincerely ask, if you know what I'm talking about. And then after that, um, if you have asked, my second question is, after asking, did you just kind of ask and go on with your day? Or, or did you actually spend time in the word, praying and fasting, spending time with Jesus, in solitude and silence, and with other spiritual disciplines, waiting on him. Like, have you ever done that, where you asked and then you waited on him? You know, I believe there are three reasons that many Christians haven't heard um, the non-audible voice of Jesus and his leading. Okay, number one, uh, because of unconfessed sin. Number two, they haven't asked. <laughs> and, and number three, they, even if they asked, they didn't expect Jesus to actually speak. So, um, friends, in order to hear the voice of Jesus, we just need to do those three things. We need to come to Jesus with clean hands and a pure heart. That's number one. Number two, we then just need to ask him sincerely. And after we ask, we just need to expect him to speak. Right? Sometimes, I, you know, I think a lot of us are good at doing the first two, but I'm not convinced we're good at really expecting him to speak. But just imagine what would change this week and in your life if you always came to Jesus with clean hands and a pure heart. Yeah, we're going to sin. And yes, there's always going to be his grace to cover over that. And we're coming to him sincerely with clean hands and a pure heart. But after that, we sincerely had the sort of relationship where we would ask Jesus. And we would then expect him to speak and to move in our lives. Friends, um, Jesus in John 10, he didn't say, like, philosophically, I am the good shepherd who will lead you with my voice. Right? He didn't just kind of 
throw it out there as a simile or a metaphor. Like, that's not what he did here. Jesus knew how dominant the sheep and shepherding imagery and symbolism was in the scriptures. If you were with us last week, you, you heard, like I did a, 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 an overview, like kind of a survey of scripture, all the different metaphors and images of sheep and shepherds. And, and I mean, Jesus knew how dominant this was and how people got this, like how people understood this imagery. So when he said, I am, a, I am the good shepherd who will lead my sheep, my sheep will hear my voice and I will lead my sheep with my voice. He wasn't just saying his voice, like theoretically. No, he was actually saying, I will lead, I will speak, I will move. And today he does that through his word and his spirit. And when Jesus speaks, in my experience, uh, he doesn't, like, you remember the fingerprint, we're all very unique. Well, in the same way, he doesn't often speak to us in the same way. And maybe that's your thing, right? Maybe you're like, okay, I have a friend who, uh, who I know they have a close relationship with Jesus. And I don't think my relationship with him is as, is, is as close as theirs is because they're hearing God speak and I'm, I never hear God speak. And, and maybe that's you, right? And, and I mean, first and foremost, we shouldn't compare our relationship with Jesus to someone else's relationship with Jesus, right? Because it's just, there's no way to do that. No one wins in the end, right? Our relationship with Jesus, we do together, but it is a personal relationship we have with him. Um, and just as uniquely as God created each and every one of us, I mean, wouldn't he speak to us uniquely as well? And in my experience, he does so in a variety or a combination of ways. Through the word, through his spirit, remember they don't contradict each other, through worship, through lyrics, as we are worshiping, or even as you're worshiping, you just sense the spirit moving, or it's through his um, comfort or through his peace. Maybe it's when you're out in creation, that's how you sense or how you've heard God speak to you. Or maybe it's through sermons or through journaling or through walking or exercise or through any one of the spiritual disciplines. Right? God will speak, he will speak to each and every one of us in different ways. And yes, you know, there are different ways, many different ways that Jesus speaks to us through his spirit. But here's the thing, he will never contradict his word. Never. He'll never contradict his word. That's why it's always the word and the spirit. The spirit and the word. So Beulah Church family, that's why for me, I'm daily in the Bible. Whether I am dead tired and super busy or I'm on vacation or I'm just in kind of going through the ins and outs of daily life, I'm always daily in the word of God because it's through the word of God that I will know the will of God through the spirit of God. All right, when I'm in the word of God, I will discover his will through his spirit. So whether I'm asking Jesus for guidance in, in major life decisions or I'm just simply asking him for guidance to know how to be a faithful father or a loving husband or a caring neighbor or a reliable friend, a wise leader or a loving pastor, regardless of what I'm asking Jesus for, my life and rhythms are the same. Number one, I'm in the Bible daily. Two, I'm coming to him with clean hands and a pure heart. And three, I'm asking. And four, I'm expecting him to speak. 
So friends, how often are you in the word of God? You can't expect him to speak unless you are daily in the word, soaking in his word, knowing his word, knowing his ways, and spending time with him. So my dear brothers and sisters, how does Jesus shepherd us? He shepherds us by respecting our decisions, by providing for us, and by leading us with his voice. The Lord is my shepherd, I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Us as sheep, Jesus as our shepherd. This is one of the primary lenses in which we need to view ourselves and our relationship with Jesus. Us as sheep and Jesus as our shepherd. For when we see ourselves and relate to Jesus in this way, we will discover that Jesus is the good shepherd. We will experience firsthand the ways that Jesus respects our decisions, the ways that he will provide for us, and we will hear him lead us with his voice. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I, I want that kind of shepherd. In fact, I, I, I don't just want that kind of shepherd. I need that kind of shepherd. And in the ever-increasing complexity of life today, where it, I, I want it to be, I want to live in simpler times, but it doesn't seem like it's ever going to go that way, I need a guide to know how to discern both the black and the white issues, but a lot of the gray too. I need his wisdom. I need that guide. And Jesus is the sort of shepherd who will guide us through all of that. Amen? Amen. Why don't we stand? Uh, and in this next song, I would love for us to declare that just like sheep need their shepherd, we need Jesus. Lord, I need you. Lord, we need you. Let's sing this together.